Welcome to the Victory of the Lamb podcast. We are a simple, straightforward Bible teaching church located in Katy, Texas. If you're in the area, we'd love for you to stop by anytime. Otherwise, we hope you use this podcast to grow in your faith and be confident in sharing that faith with many. You can find us online at VOTL.org. We hope you enjoy this message. God bless your week. Grace, mercy, and God's never-ending peace be yours in abundance today as you are courageously battling your sinful nature instead of just giving in. Could there be any words that would be more damaging, destructive, poisonous, and so on to a relationship than the words, you're dead to me. When someone says that to another human being, what they mean is, our relationship isn't just strained or wounded or struggling. It's over. You're dead to me. And I'm going to move forward with my life as though you have already died. Even though you haven't, but I don't care. Does God ever give us the command to say those words, you're dead to me? The short answer to begin with is no. The Bible clearly says many times over, love others as Jesus has loved you. Jesus never tells us we're dead to him. And even though we're alive, it's over between us. Instead, if there's a broken relationship between Jesus and you or me, he would say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And I beg you that this gets resolved someday. But that's far different than announcing you're dead to me, isn't it? He also says, forgive others as I have forgiven you freely, fully, completely from the heart. So while in our relationships with other people, God does not give us the ability to say that, he does very clearly command in the scriptures to stand tall, to set your jaw, and to say, you're dead to me, to something sinister. And it's an important thing to be doing following this godly command as Christians. We're going to get into that today. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. And before we read the verses, I'd like to give you a, a background to Romans chapter 6. What's been going on in Romans chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5? Maybe that's a good reading project for you this week, if you like. Romans 1 through 5 is probably the most clear, vivid, and explicit description of two all-encompassing truths to every single human being that has ever lived, except for Jesus Christ. Truth number one, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is no one who does good, not even one, the Lord, who knows all things, knows all hearts, will never find someone on earth who can say, yes, I'm perfect because I've lived a perfect life. There's no one like that. But there's also no one for whom Jesus has not died. In these same chapters, Romans 1-5, through 5, there is no one who does good, not even one, yet 
Jesus has come to wash away the sin. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but all, bar none, are freely justified, declared not guilty of sin, acquitted for eternity because of what Jesus Christ has accomplished. And so from that point forward, you believe that, so do I. You now have a part of you that loves Jesus with all your heart, that believes in Him as your Savior forever. You also still have this old Adam part of you that loves to sin. And the new man part of you that loves Jesus and the old Adam part of you that loves to sin is in a vicious civil war. Wanting to drive your soul, wanting to drive your thoughts, your words, your activities, begging for the driver's seat, trying to kick the other one out. Your new man that loves Jesus at war with your old Adam that hates him. Martin Luther described the battle this way. He said, I try every day to drown my old Adam, but that rascal can swim. And I think that's a really good description. So what now? How do we move forward? We've got this battle going on. Do we use the announcement that Christ has forgiven all sin for all time by Himself? And no matter how much we sin, He will cover it by Himself with His forgiveness. Do we adopt the attitude of, now I have a license to do anything I want. If I sin a hundred times and Jesus gives me 200 forgivenesses, well then, until the day I die, I'm going to sin a hundred million times because Jesus will give me 200 million forgivenesses. I can't wait. That's the attitude Romans chapter 6 addresses. Do you think God wants us to do that? I know that you know He does not. And here is where it comes into play. The godly command for you to follow God's will, stand tall and say loud and proud, you're dead to me, which you say to your very own sinful self, your very own old Adam that craves the driver's seat of your life. Listen for that thought coming through as we get started with Romans 6. I'll read verses 1 through 4. And as I read these verses, think about what I'll be talking about next, how this command to tell your sinful nature you're dead to me is very closely connected with, with baptism. Here we go. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. 
Now, as you're mulling this over, I wouldn't be surprised at all if you have the feeling, I probably need to read that slowly three or four more times in order to catch on. And that's normal, I think, because that's how I was as well getting ready for this sermon. So don't be afraid if that applies to you. And then please do that this week. Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Shall we sin 100 million times so that we can have 200 million forgivenesses by God's grace? Because that's what he promises, right, in the Bible? And the answer is yes, that's what he promises, but no, that's not a license to go on sinning. The Scripture then connects us with baptism. We are connected with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit through baptism. That's where God put his name on you. You now belong to him. And being closely connected to Jesus through baptism means when he died for your sins on the cross, your sin also was dead and buried. The connection is over. We are those who have died to sin How can we live in it any longer? The scripture tells us in in, in verse 2. How can we keep walking around in it? How can we keep enjoying it? How can we keep petting the cockroaches and the mice and whatever other pests are around and acting like they're wonderful and I wish we could have more of them? We can't keep walking around in sin any longer because we died with Christ. But that wasn't the final story. That wasn't the last word. You know Jesus died and was buried with your sins. He took them to the grave, paid for them in full. But is Jesus Christ still in the grave? You know He's not. You know about Easter morning. He rose from the dead. Victory over the grave. And His body is no longer covered by your sinfulness. So Jesus took your sins to the cross And the grave left the sins there in the grave and rose to new life without them because they're paid in full. So also you, when you're baptized into Christ Jesus, your sin connected with him, crucified, buried, dead, over, finished. And now you are living a new life. Apart from that, as Christ rose from the grave on Easter morning, Now your new man rises up anew with a whole new purpose in life, a whole new joy and desire to serve God, the opposite of finding some sinister joy in walking around in sin as you go forward with your life. I'd like to skip ahead to verse 11, and I think this is a really good one to think about as we are summarizing sin you're dead to me that announcement we can make to ourselves in the same way count yourselves dead to sin but alive to god in christ jesus recently i heard a story about a family in arizona that they were going to start with some remodeling and it was just before winter out there in the arizona desert And in the garage next to the water heater to try to keep warm, they found, guess what? Some rattlesnakes. Three of them. And so they called animal control. And when animal control got there, they realized, oh, there's not just three. 
There's five. And 15 babies. Probably going to stay here for the winter. And have more babies if we did nothing. Animal control got them out of there. Came back a second time to get a few more of them out of there. And I think came a third time just to make sure they were all out of there. And that's normal to you. You can see easily why they proceeded that way with rattlesnakes in their house. They would never have said, Oh, what cute pets. Let's keep them around. Oh, we know they should go. So 50 years from now, we'll deal with it. But it's not a big deal. Nothing urgent. Nothing we need to deal with today. I'm trying to compare rattlesnakes in your house to your own sinful nature. Don't give it the treatment as though it's a pet to be enjoyed. Don't let it make a home in your heart. And don't even know I should deal with this down the road, but not today. I don't really feel like it as though animal control can wait for 50 years and that won't cause any problems at all for you in your life if you waited that long to get the rattlesnakes out. Stand up and say, sin, you're dead to me. I'm living a new life because I'm connected to Christ. There's so many different applications to this as you think about the pet sin that crops up in your life that easily is fed and nourished. A few of them might be lust. Should we live with lust and keep it around, give it a home? Or can you stand up and say, lust, you're dead to me. I'm living for Jesus and His gift of marriage. If I'm married, I am going to have all sexual thoughts, words, and actions within the boundary of marriage. And if I'm single, I'm going to honor God's gift of marriage and wait and ask you, dear Jesus, with your resurrected power to help me have that self-control. Lust, you're dead to me. I'm not living with you any longer. What about greed or envy? You can stand tall and proud and say, greed, envy, you're dead to me. I'm content with what I have in Jesus. I'm baptized into His name. I have a home in heaven. I have forgiveness. I have a lifetime of sin nailed to His cross, buried in His grave, and now I've risen to a new life, a new way of life, as He rose on Easter morning. I'm content with Christ. And then he gives me so much more in addition. Envy, greed, you're dead to me. I'm not living with you any longer. What about if your feelings are driving? And there's probably a thousand different applications of that, but if you're worried about the future because you're not sure God is going to take care of things, if you're feeling as though you have sinned and wrecked everything in your relationship with Him and somehow God hasn't paid for those sins yet and never would want to. If you run into something in the Word that you don't really like to read and so your feelings are going to drive and shape it differently so it's easier to swallow. You can say to your own me-first feelings, me-first feelings, you're dead to me. I'm not living with you any longer. My feelings 
are instead going to be based on the eternal Word of God that never changes. And I am going to lean on Him to help me interpret His Word in a way that He intended for it to be heard. Let's go back to that guilt one a little more. If your feelings are driving because you are crushed because of the sin that has gone on in your life and now you're aware of it, you're sorry about it, and guess what? Satan loves being the rattlesnake in your heart and reminding you now about all the sin you have done while also lying to you and telling you Jesus doesn't want you anymore. He'll lie to you and tell you Jesus is going to say you're dead to me because of this sin in your life. It's simply not true. It never will be. Instead, Jesus says, I've paid for that sin on the cross and I've risen from the grave without it. So you can tell in Christ your own guilty conscience. Accusation, Satan, you're dead to me. Your accusations are not going to stick on Judgment Day because I have resurrection victory in Christ. I think you understand what I'm trying to say, don't you? On and on and on and on and on. Whatever sin is popping up in your life, whatever sin you've allowed to make a home in your heart lately, going forward, whatever new sin might be attractive that hasn't been before, have the godly courage with heaven power, all the resurrection of Christ's power, to say, to your own sinful self, you're dead to me. I'm living a new life by God's grace. Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. What a great way to live. What a great way to help others live. Amen. We know your time is precious. Thank you so much for investing some of your time with us today. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you be so kind as to click to follow our show and give us a five-star rating? That's a quick and easy way to help us get the message of truth out to more people. Thank you so much. God bless your day in Christ.